The recent murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd have the whole world talking about race, injustice, and the fight for equality. I personally have experienced going days without sleep, emotional outbursts, anxiety, and feelings of depression and sorrow. Today's episode gets to the point about racial trauma, what it is, where it comes from, how you identify it, how do you help, and how to work through the pain and begin to heal. With that said, let's get to the point. Joining me today are two very special guests, my very good friend and sister, Shanika Harris, the owner of She Speaks LLC and the operator of the She Speaks podcast, and my cousin, Akiva Harris, founder and owner of Beyond Limits Mental Health and Wellness, LLC. She also penned a blog titled Understanding Racial Trauma on beyondlimitsmhw.com. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time and your willingness to talk about this subject today. You are welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having me. me. <clears throat> Racial trauma is a topic that I found out about while I was completing my master's degree in organizational leadership. At the time, I didn't see a lot of research done about it, but I became very interested. Fast forward to the recent events that have occurred, Shanika and I were discussing racial trauma and how it needs to be discussed more. So with that said, Akiva, could you explain to the audience what racial trauma is and where it comes from? Okay, well, first I have to say I am really happy to hear that you, um, even if it was just, you know, a little bit of information that you were exposed to this in your graduate program, because in my graduate program and I am in the mental health field, this topic never came up in school for me at all, the topic of racial trauma. So that, um, makes me feel good because at least people are starting to address it in like the educational spaces. So, but um, in my field of psychology, it actually is a model called like racial trauma. There's not, it's not just like a, a term that we're throwing around now because of everything that's going on. It actually is a model that was created by <clears throat> an African-American professor. His name is Robert T. Carter. He um, is a doctor and he actually works at Columbia University. And he started noticing that in working with African-American clients versus his white clients, he noticed that even when an African-American had lower incidences of traumatic experiences, they had higher rates of PTSD versus their white counterparts who had higher traumatic stressful incidences. So that got him to wondering, like, what could be the reason for the disparity? And he wondered if it could have been because of race. So he started doing the research on this model. And um, what I like about this model and how his model differs from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is that this model is solely based on our emotions and our reactions after we experience a racial stressor which is traumatic so it's basically like a psychological injury when we experience these racist events and like of course it's like a model so it has criteria so i'll just like read some of the stuff um that i found when i was researching the model 
Um, the criteria for race-based traumatic stress is emotional pain and the associated reactions. The encounters with racism must be experienced as negative, emotionally painful, sudden, and uncontrollable. So if you think about, and I'll use an example. So say all of us on here, we're African-American women. Say we're walking down the street, just minding our own business, and somebody calls us a effing N-word, B-word. Mm -hmm. That's gonna hurt, right? Right. That's gonna hurt us to our core. That's sudden, because we walking down the street not expecting it at all. And it's gonna be uncontrollable because we cannot control the actions of another person. So in addition to the experience, it's also coupled with um, your reaction. And your reaction could be intrusion, which is the recurrent thoughts, or you could um, avoidance, which <laughs> I just shared as <laughs> I'm doing. Um, arousal, there can even be like anger, rage, depression, low self-esteem, shame, guilt. And um, one other thing that I feel is that unique in this is that it is an ongoing collective injury. And like, I really want us to patch it into that word injury. Hmm. because it's literally damaging our psyche when we experience these racial aggressions, the discrimination. I mean, it's endless, the amount of examples that we can use on how African-Americans and just minorities in general experience racism, something as simple as being in a store and they're, you know, walking you around following you because you're black and they're thinking that you're going to be poor or that you're going to steal and you can't afford the stuff. So just imagine what that's like on a day-to-day -day experience, knowing at any given time you walk out your door, people are going to be assuming the worst of you and expecting the worst of you. And that literally damages our psyche. Yeah. 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 And in regards to how I think it, where it stems from, um, I, slavery, there really is no um, other answer that I can say other than where it stemmed from to come from slavery. And the fact that this country was founded on the institution of racism, how when we were taken from our homeland, we were literally legally considered like three-fifths of a person, like we were property, we were sold. And it, even though we aren't, physical slaves anymore i think that mentality is still there and that's what all racism stems from in my opinion so i so i think it's interesting what you said just now slavery and the connection to racial trauma mm -hmm. and so i've always been curious about um what black people as a community what they went through and how trauma is passed from generation to generation mm -hmm. and it's it's to me it's hereditary and, and again i'm i'm not studying psychology yet um <laughs> it's just extremely fascinating to me now so i'm actually taking steps because i want to um but can you speak a little bit about just from your experience and, and what you've known and what what even made you go into the mental health field how the connection to our the, the the trauma from our past and the connection to our present okay well um i love the fact that 
because of technology and all the advancements we have, there are so many like fields of study that is giving us all this new information that we did not have prior. You know, for example, um, functional MRIs, which is actually an MRI of the brain. That has made huge advancement in the studies of trauma and how trauma in the brain is impacted. And then there's also a new um, field of study called epigenetics, which studies like the genes and it epigenetics proves that three generations can be affected by one event while like literally while we're in the womb we are experiencing what our mother is experiencing when she was in her mother's womb she was experiencing so and this stuff is literally passed down in our dna like science literally proves that trauma is passed down in our dna we inherit these soul wounds so if you think about not only in addition to it being genetic it's in our minds like one example that i use a lot um Black people, you know, our culture, we're known for spanking and beating our kids. Why do you think that is? Because when we were slaves, we were whipped by massa all the time. Hmm. And you may not have the mindset to know that I'm only doing this because this is what I know. And it takes like, you got to really go dig deep within yourself to do something differently. So I just think that the experience of slavery and how we are reared I mean, we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. So if you were raised a certain way and these habits and these behaviors are passed down because it is genetically ingrained in you, it is behaviorally ingrained in you, it literally becomes a part of who you are. And that goes for us as our experiences as African-Americans and also for our white counterparts who were our masters. So just like the um, effects of trauma is in our DNA, the effects of them being racist and the effects of them being massive, the effects of them thinking that they are superior to us, that is also passed out in their DNA. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't got nothing on that. <laughs> you ain't got nothing on that, Shanice. Yeah. And I think, and I think the, the point I want to do, you know, the point, because we talk, we talk about it and we, we're seeing a lot of podcasts and we're seeing a lot of people want to, you know, have the conversation. We need to have the conversation about race. The conversation about race is hard. Yeah. The true conversation to have a true, deep, honest, authentic conversation about race is hard. And right. you cannot do that conversation justice if you don't get to the heart of the matter, if you don't get to the bottom of it if you don't address some of the um atrocities that is, that's happened in our past because we talked about slavery and, the, and, the, and that trauma that ensues there but i think you know we need to address lynching mm -hmm. in america we don't talk about lynching we don't um visit or revisit um the trauma that came with lynching people we don't talk about it in history books. It's something that we don't discuss. They had the uh, Equal Justice Initiative that built the uh, Legacy Museum and they built the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. And I was on a phone call earlier today and you know, I brought up the, you know, have we, the, a group of individuals in the community, have we um, discussed working with the Equal Justice Initiative to bring 
the uh, the pillars that they create because they create them for every county. And I saw one for Bavaria mm -hmm. County, and that's where I live at now. Have we discussed bringing that pillar home, putting that marker where it should be, and acknowledging what acknowledging the trauma that ensued and being able to move to to you know get to healing after that. And mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to have that that true honest no kidding conversation it's hard it's supposed to be hard right when you're dealing with trauma and you're actually truly dealing with it it is definitely going to be hard um yeah. so i think that it's important you know just to acknowledge that from from slavery to um even the murder that we're seeing um by police it yeah. is it is all connected and it is is causing a lot of trauma. So people aren't angry for the sake of being angry. They they're angry because they're hurt. They're in pain. Exactly. And, uh, and I think that's tired. what the misunderstanding is. Like, how do you not expect someone to be in pain after repeatedly viewing something like this? And we are all vicariously traumatized every time we see one of these videos, every time we see one of these stories. Like we because we're seeing people who look like us right. get killed. And then the people that are killing them are not getting any type of punishment whatsoever. So think about what that does to our soul. Think about what that does to our psyche. Right. Okay. It's very damaging because like you said earlier, we're reliving these moments mm -hmm. and you never truly get to heal you never really get to work through it because two three months later right back where we were mm -hmm. and it's like yo i just like i'll be honest with y'all like i just watched the full video of mr george floyd maybe a couple of days ago because mentally i was not ready right because you had alton sterling you had Eric Garner, you had all these different things that were captured on video and to watch a video, like you said, again, we're reliving that moment and you don't have time to heal. You don't have time to, in some cases, you don't even have time to process it all because now in the media, it, the stories are popping up everywhere now, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yo, <laughs> okay, got it, got it. My life is not valued, got it. Right. And then you're thinking, because like you said, they, they look like everyday people. Your brother, your cousin, your uncle, um, in some cases, your sister, your, you know, and it's like, that could be me. Mm -hmm. That could be my, my seven-year-old. It could be anyone. And it's like you're living in this nightmare every day because you don't know what people are thinking. It could be as simple as just walking to go check the mail and someone's angry. They decide they don't care. They're willing to risk it all. And now what happens? To be on edge to where you can't go do everyday things to where um, the simple things that we 
quote unquote take for granted. We don't really get to take those for granted because they were simple things that people were doing mm -hmm. to where their lives were being taken away. Yeah. And I just, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And the, the injustice is a secondary trauma. Yes. Because, like, um, in school, learning about trauma, and again, racial trauma is not the same as PTSD. I think it's similar, but it's not the same. But just like tra trauma in general, one of the things that heals trauma is love and relationships. So imagine somebody go through a traumatic event. You go tell somebody, and in this case, the police, because they're the ones that are supposed to protect us, right? You go tell the police, and they do nothing. So that's the secondary trauma. Because I was just hurt, in some cases killed, so you may have the family members coming, and you are not going to do anything. You don't care that I got hurt. You don't care that my loved one is no longer here. You don't care that my family has suffered this great loss. You're just going to let me go about my business. That's a secondary trauma. And that it is, it literally, trauma literally changes our brains. Like trauma literally changes our brains. You literally can become a completely different person because of the impact it's going to have on your brain. Yeah. And so it'll change how you deal with people. It'll change your level of trust that you yeah. have in people, especially if you don't know them. So if you don't know them and you have a relationship um, and you don't have a relationship with them, I mean, it, it changes your perception of people. It changes what you think their intent is. Mm -hmm. And so that ends up, I think those types of things end up walking with you into your workplace, walking with you into uh relationships you're supposed to build to get things done um yeah. in your community so trauma literally affects every facet of your life it disrupts you it disrupts your entire being it disrupts your entire being it disrupts the way you show up in the world it disrupts like you said the way you interact with people in your relationships because how do you feel safe like that's the main component like in working with people who have trauma before they can get to process on anything they have to feel safe they have to feel safe in all areas of their life but in regards to racial trauma how can you feel safe when every day you walk outside you don't know if that's gonna be your last day or not so where's the safety in it mm. there is none yeah mm. and so even like in the beginning when all it is it was uh me and Shanika, we, we giggle about it now because I was dumping so much on her. I was calling her and we talking about something and I'm getting upset and I'm crying and I can't figure out why I'm crying. And I'm like, it's been three days and I'm crying. And I was like, I just feel like I want to tell all these people, you know, on my Facebook page, how I feel. And so I'm doing all of that and I'm not even recognizing that she is, because we're so close, she's feeling all of that. And I didn't recognize it or realize it until we were in a different forum and she starts crying. Mm. And so another question that I had, cousin, was how would a person, you know, what, what, what things can a person see? How would a person identify racial trauma in themselves? It's a three-part question. So I, want you, I don't want you to like answer them all together, but separately. Okay. How, would they, how would they identify racial trauma in themselves? Mm -hmm. How would they identify it in someone else? Mm -hmm. And what can people do um, when, they, when they see those signs in their friends, their coworkers, their loved ones who've been impacted by racial trauma? 
Okay, well, the first one, how can people identify it? Well, um, according to the model, um, the biggest way to recognize it and identify it is to notice the behavior change. Like you said, you were just crying for like days and days and days. If that's not normal for you, that's a behavior change. So the model talks about how you responded and you reacted like when the event happened and how you responded and how you're reacting now and if there's any difference in your behavior. So if you have a behavior change, whether if it's depression or anger or um, like a physical, like how did you respond physically to the thing? Like, um, are you now like hyper aggressive or are you hyper vigilant? You looking around everywhere you go? Are you, you know, doing the avoidance? Like long-term effects, is it affecting your self-esteem? Is it affecting your confidence? Like basically, has you have you changed as a person like has your behavior changed has the way you showed up in the world changed because how can you experience something like this and it not affect you so that would be the biggest thing is to just notice any differences in the behaviors you got something shanika yeah so i i want to share my story because you said behavior changes and stuff like that. So um, just recently, I actually opened up about um, we had moved, we were in Europe for three years and we came back um, in 2016. And my husband was on a business trip and uh, we actually came back in the summer with him to attend, you know, just to check out the local area because we knew that's where we were going to be moving. And this all happened right after the um, Alton Sterling incident, right? Mm -hmm. And I was so on edge because in Europe, we didn't have to worry about that, right? So we come back and I'm on edge because, you know, um, I feared for my husband, right? Like just, we were traveling and, you know, when they're, when they're in the military and they're on leave, like, you know, they let their hair grow out and, you know, and he doesn't look like he's in the military. So I, I would get anxious, you know, and to the point like where I would say, I'm going to get out and pump the gas. You stay mm -hmm. in the car, right? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want him to be approached. I didn't want anybody to say anything. Mm -hmm. And um, so then finally in the fall, we move here to Texas and I'm just really... Um, depressed and upset and all these different things are going on now mind you um, I had deployed as well the year prior so mm -hmm. I was you know at a location and there were a lot of um, things going on in regards to graffiti and when I tell you it was black lives don't matter um, F all ends and all these different things and these are from my quote-unquote you know, <laughs> brothers and sisters in arms, right? And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, you know, oh my gosh, you feel this way about me? You feel this way about my husband? And my husband's over here in Afghanistan, you know, just serving his country, doing these different things. Like he's putting his life on the line. I'm doing my commitment. And, you know, fast forward and we finally move. And I, my daughter, the oldest, she said, you're so mean, mommy. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and that's when I knew I had to go see somebody. Um, but I had all of those signs. I was depressed. I would cry. I was angry because all of that stuff that I saw, I kept it in. I internalized it because one, I had a job to do. 
And in my line of work, it's our job to um, report these things. Um, I still have to go in like a professional every day, um, even though I've just seen these racial slurs that have been written everywhere about me and my husband and my family. And it was, and I went, I finally broke down and I went to a therapist and I was telling her all these different things. And I said, I'm on edge, you know, I'm like, how can people not care about my husband's life and my life and my kid's life just based off of our skin color? Like we do these different things and we take care of people and, you know, we just live life. And in the midst of me telling her all these different things, she goes, um, so this is what we call racial trauma because of everything that you have been exposed to. And I'm like, what? And she said, yes. So all of these experiences that you've had, um, they have basically, and I'm paraphrasing, they have done something to you. Mm-hmm. So I need, you know, and she brought it to my attention. And that was the first time I'd ever heard about racial racial trauma. You hear about PTSD, PTSD all the time in the military. Um, and of course, there are people who have experienced PTSD before coming in the military or never even been in the military, but you know, they've had those traumatic events. And it was just, it was just different, right? Because I did go through those things where I was depressed, I was crying, I didn't know what to do. I, it, it was bad. And when she said it, it made sense because I never talked to anyone about it, right? And I always tell Glow, and I said, in my, in my line of work, the broke, we talk to the broke, right? We, we tell everybody everything and we're frustrated and that's what we do, but we don't go and get the help, right? And then I was telling her, even in our community, um, there are those of us who think we can pray our way through it. Nothing wrong with prayer. We think we can sage it out. Nothing wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we don't really go get the therapy. We don't get the help. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we do so we can know what we're dealing with. But yeah, the other thing is, even now in these current events, um, and, and Glow, and I was listening right because anyone who's in my circle when you call me I'm going to listen to you and I, I'm not an emotional person now I'll get hyped all day long but if you're like pouring out and you're crying and you're doing these different things I am not I'll cry with you sometimes or I'll just sit there and listen but I take that in as well because it's like this is my sister and I can't help her and I'm angry just like she is. I'm upset. Um, I'm not sleeping. She not sleeping. You know what I'm saying? And you take all that in, but then there goes that exposure one more time. Even something as simple as being there for someone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just wanted to share my story on that. Part. Yeah. It's, it's and I think it's real life. It's, and we just yep. don't talk about it enough and and people may ask me why now because i need y'all to know it's okay to go get that help Mm -hmm. and this is a process and if we're going to be there for others we have to be able to we have to know how how to be there and take care of ourselves at the same time Yeah. (laughs) yeah well thank you for sharing that story because i think your personal 
story like described it perfectly like it described it perfectly you had all these changes that you noticed and then your daughter even noticed and I'm happy that you were able to go get the help because as you said yeah you know our community man they gonna think Jesus is gonna fix everything I'm sorry Jesus ain't fixing everything (laughs) (laughs) for people on earth to do these things right (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about resources now it's important yeah and I think it's gonna be important um moving forward for people to understand what this is that racial trauma is real what Mm -hmm. it is understand it and I think it it will help bring understanding for some people who just may not understand why you're angry why you're standoffish or why you appear standoffish um to actually be able to sit back and be like you know what I wonder, let me, let me dig a little deeper with my coworker. Let me dig a little deeper with the, the, my, um, my, my teammate or the, the person that directly reports to me. Let me dig a little deeper to find out where all this is coming from. You pay attention to your folks. You will see the difference in behavior. Mm-hmm. You will see the difference in behavior. And I think I appreciate um, Shanika because I was the person, you know, for the next question, what, what, how can you identify with somebody else? She's always just, I'm always the hype friend, like, blah, 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 blah. like I'm always the one <laughs> ranting and raving and acting crazy. And she's always the one looking at me like, mm-hmm. yep. But the difference was when she was crying and I was just like, is this bothering you like that too? And you could, it was so dumb because I, I felt like, why would this not be bothering her the way that it's bothering me? Right. And so I think that was the one that sparked me where I was just like, you know what? We need to dig a little deeper trauma. Everything aligned. You posted your blog and I was like, when I did she's like, you, you know that when you sent it to me? I'm like, no, I thought she posted it. But then I was just like, let me call Kiva. Because this is what you do. And I think wanting to help people was one of the reasons you started your you started your company wanting to help you know on a yeah. different level because in our community mental health is something that we talk about now right. but it's it's not something that we we normally talk about we shy away from it it's the the cousin we put over here in the corner we don't want to talk about it yeah. and I think it's time that we should because if we don't as we're in this moment and we're encouraging people to have these conversations at work it's important for people to know what this is. So when you have the coworker who just doesn't want to discuss it, mm-hmm. you 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 have you understand why you don't get upset in yourself because they're upset. Yeah. And so, go ahead. I feel like for, I mean, of course, I'm a therapist, so I am a proponent of therapy. But I think our people, more than any other race, needs to be in therapy. Because, I mean, I mean, you have other races that have experienced historical trauma, you know, like you have the Jewish community, they have, you know, their interracial, generational trauma as well. But Black people, we were enslaved for hundreds of hundreds of years. Like, we were enslaved for more years than we have been free now. 
and the residual effects of that is still here. It's still real. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys all know Iyala Van Zandt. I love her. I was listening to one of her videos, I think like a week or two ago, when she was talking about like the intergenerational trauma and intergenerational just like family patterns. And she said that science has now proved in regards to the epigenetics that it takes, I think she said, between 13 to 17 generations generations to overcome some of these issues and i believe she said we're only like six generations out from slavery so we have this literally in our dna and i think that because what a lot of us go through in our families because it happens often that we think is normal yeah it may be normal because it happens a lot but that doesn't mean that it's right and that doesn't mean that it's okay. Yeah. You know, the dysfunction that we experience in our families is not okay. And talking to your friend is not the same as talking to a therapist because a therapist is a different type of conversation. Like, I remember when I was in therapy, I missed my therapist so much. My therapist died last year of oh. cancer and I miss her so much. And I couldn't wait to have my sessions because it was just a different kind of conversation that as much as you may love your friends and your family and as close as you guys may be, there's still some parts of ourselves that we don't trust sharing with people. I don't care how close you are with them. And that part of ourselves we can share with our therapists. And I recommend it to everybody. Yeah, I do. I will tell people in a heartbeat, it's okay. It's okay to make the appointment um, in some cases, I have sent the link, uh, blackgirlstherapy.com, or it was a therapy for black girls, psychology yeah, yeah. day, mm-hmm. um, because some people want to go, but they just need that push or that encouragement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm quick to send out a link here. here you go, <laughs> keep your and, and I even did a piece um, when initially when all this started, I that was one of my tips. Keep your appointment or make an appointment because you know now everyone's doing telehealth and you know video conferencing, you know for therapy sessions and stuff like that. And I'm like, yo, you in the privacy of your own home. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to have your session and I'll be honest with you um I've had some therapy sessions since all of this started um for some other things and I couldn't wait for my therapist to call me I was sitting <laughs> in my computer with my notepad ready because he was like and, and it's funny though um because it, sometimes we get caught up in oh I want a therapist that looks like me or I want to, and depending on what you're seeing them for yes but my therapist was so analytical. He was the one that would draw the diagrams for the theories and all these different things. And I'm a creative. So the fact that him and I linked together was amazing because he was different from me mm-hmm. and it worked. Mm-hmm. So I would just encourage just, and, and I know people don't want to shop around. I know they don't want to tell everybody their story because it's like rehashing it, but do your research. And if the therapist doesn't work out for you, 
go on to the next. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I echo that. I do think it's common for black people to prefer a black therapist just on the basis of loan is like relatability. How can you understand my plight as a black person when you're not black? So I do definitely get that component. But to your point, just because they're not black, that don't mean that they can't help you. Right. You know, and that don't mean that they you can't teach them how to understand you. And that's one of the components of, you know, like being multicultural as a therapist. If you are not from someone's culture, the best way that you can learn about their culture is for them to teach you mm -hmm. about it. So, cause I know like some of my professors when I was in grad school, like they were white. I'm like, yo, this person is the bomb. Like I could tell that person was a good therapist. Like I would see that person. It don't matter to me that they not black. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So I think, I think, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Um, I think to how do you recognize it in someone else? Kind of mm -hmm. like how you just said how you notice in Shanika. Like, you know, this is really affecting her. Just pay attention. Pay attention to yourself. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to the people in your life. And honestly, you can just look people in their eyes. I mean, I think everyone is hurting right now. And you can some you can see the pain in somebody's eyes sometimes. Body language, like body language, is a huge teller. You know the sadness in their eyes. Just like pay attention and look at someone and just noticing how are they acting different. Because one thing I know for sure, behavior is communication, and majority of our communication is nonverbal. So just like pay attention to behaviors. Absolutely. And so. Um... The last question I have uh, before we wrap it up is what can we do as humans to work through racial trauma and begin to heal? That is a loaded question. <laughs> and as I've been thinking about this, um, like today, like preparing for this and thinking, how do you help someone as crazy as it sounds? Because racism is nothing new this has been around as long as this country has been formed mm -hmm. but racism may not be new but the idea that we have to help people deal with it is now new mm -hmm. given everything that's going on because i mean and even though like i feel like i just feel like we're in a different like time and space reality in like the universe right now and then more people are being aware like i went to a a protest I think like last week and there were more white people there than there were black people mm -hmm. and um I was talking to one of my friends who was telling me who like a white lady she know I think she said that she went to a protest like 10 years ago and it maybe was like two or three white people on the whole entire protest and she went mm -hmm. to one recently now and it's like way more white people so mm -hmm. I do think like the um tides are turning and more people are becoming aware but like that's just like right now we are just starting to have these conversations as to like what is going on and how do we help these people. And unfortunately, there still are, you know, non-blacks who think we're making this, I don't know if I can curse, but I can't help but the one curse right now. Like they think we're making this shit up. Like, you know, like this is real. So I think the idea of how do we help people is something new. And that's going to be a process of figuring it out. But I think most importantly, the most important thing I think people can do, especially people of non-people no, non of color, you have to validate people's experience. Mm -hmm. You can't tell somebody that 
this is not real or they're making this up or they must have done something you know the most important thing people can do is validate somebody's experience listen to them hear them out and simply ask whatever the i don't if it's a person-to-person situation or maybe an organization let them tell you what they need like that's one of the best questions you can ask somebody what do you need from me right now how can i support you through this no i think that's perfect yeah perfect thank you thank you thank you and so um the last thing i wanted to ask before we go is from your experience is this is your profession Mm -hmm. what word of advice do you have for those who are experiencing racial trauma or realize that they're that racial trauma is a thing and this is what i'm going through Mm -hmm. um what word of advice do you have for for them and what word of advice would you give again as i know you said you got to pay attention but for those you know those those coworkers just a piece of a piece of advice before we go um for coworkers for them to pay attention and for them to help um education i mean i think be, as i said you know earlier there are still those you know non people of color who don't understand this so i would say to educate themselves um educate themselves by talking to people and letting people to explain um read books there are documentaries out there. Um, and I have had this happen to me twice. Um, one, uh, a little young white girl I used to work with, um, I told her about the, um, the uh, documentary on um, Netflix, 13th. Mm-hmm. And she watched it. And like, she literally came back to work the next day and was like, Akiva, I had no idea. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, that is how it really was after watching it. And then um, I had a client just tell me this week too, a white lady. And she literally said the same thing. She was like, I feel so embarrassed that I didn't know. She was like, I watched that documentary on Netflix and I am embarrassed that I did not know. So I would say one thing that non-people of color can do is to educate themselves. Like, just look at the statistics. Like, the, the numbers ain't lying. The numbers are not lying. So educate yourself. Um, be caring, be kind, be compassionate, offer support. And for minorities, because it's not just Black people who are experiencing racial trauma, right. um, for us as a whole, support each other. Support each other and understand that we all process things differently and understand, you know, like, just because you are handling it one way and somebody else may handle it differently, there's no right or wrong, like, in regards to, like, the protests which, unfortunately, some people are out there looting and stuff, and you got people who don't understand it. It's not for you to understand how somebody else expresses their pain. Because at the end of the day, that's what they're doing. They're expressing their pain. And it's not for you to understand it. So just make space for people to deal with this in whatever way they need to deal with it. And for us, as a people, we need to come together. I honestly think that for minorities, that is one thing we can do to heal this, is that we have to come together and learn how to love each other and respect each other. And we just need to be more unified as a collective. That's perfect, cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 
see Nick over there taking taking notes. I'm like, yeah, that was it. <laughs> it was a word, case. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't get my pen to the paper fast enough. I'm over here. <laughs> I can even drop some jewels. So if I ever have to do small group discussion or facilitation or anything like that, your girl, I'm be like, um, and yes. So to Dr. Harris, um, this is what she has said. <laughs> so I appreciate you dropping those jewels, right? Because um, we can all use them, and I'm definitely going to. Um, you know, just encourage people by using some of the tips that you've provided us today. So I thank you uh, for your expertise and being willing to um, walk us through this um, racial trauma journey so that we can help others, you know, start to heal in some way. Yeah, you guys are definitely welcome. I mean, of course, this is my profession, but I'm a Black woman. At the end of the day, I'm a Black woman. I'm a Black mother of two Black sons before anything else. And this has affected me on a personal level way more than it's affecting me on a professional level. So it is my joy to be here. I'm like honored and grateful to be here with you ladies. Well, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate so you, Kiva, taking time <laughs> out of your, you know, when, when cousins text, it's like, what you doing Monday? You're like, what? You don't even live here. What, are you coming home? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. I thank you for your insight. I love you. I love you. <laughs> All right. And, and that's that. That's Today, we got to the point about racial trauma and the effect it has on the African-American community. As discussions are being had all across the world in workplaces, on social media, and in our homes, let's start to unpack this heavy load that we have been carrying around on our backs for generations. Let's unpack and remove that which does us harm and causes suffering. Let's unpack and get help sorting out all of our feelings of anger, our anxiety, our hurt, and our pain. Let's unpack and acknowledge all of the history we've tucked away, never to be discussed, but silently relived as we continue the same cycle of behaviors. These conversations are going to be hard, but they are necessary. And as James Baldwin put it, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. And that, my friends, was the point. Until next time.